Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, December 18th, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, other than the date, you want to know how I know that the holidays are coming up? How is that? Because we got an absolute crap ton of news dropped on us yesterday, and I feel like all of the producers and press reps just decided to clear everything they were working on on Tuesday because they were pretty much going to be heading out of town sooner rather than later. So they wanted to get it out there and then not have to worry about anything for the next two weeks until the first of the year because they done dropped a lot. So uh, does that mean that Rudin won't be having some sort of release on this? I, you know? Hold on. Rudin plays by his own rules. So he could be dropping something like Christmas Eve at 1130 yeah. p.m. And we're all supposed to run and take care of it. But other than that, the normal people who the, the, the <laughs> no, not the you know what I mean? The people who abide by normal press release rules just dumped everything on Tuesday to get it out there before the holidays get too close. I did see that. We better jump into that then. Uh, yeah. Other than we first need to tell people to go to patreon.com slash Broadway radio, oh, Broadway radio.com slash Patreon. But other than that, yes, let's let's jump straight in. All right. First up in the news, show and casting news. What do we have? All right. So I've got a whole bunch of things, but I want to start. And actually, there'll be more than one show and casting news section, but I prioritized them for you. Ah. Um but the first one actually wasn't from a press release. It actually came from reporting from Deadline. And that is that the stars of the first few seasons of the Netflix show The Crown, Claire Foy and Matt Smith, who played Queen Elizabeth II and her husband, Prince whatever, Philip, but who who cares? No one remembers him. Um, they will be bringing their West End play Lungs to New York next year. It'll be coming to the Brooklyn Academy of Music um, for a limited run beginning on March 25th, running through April 19th. The show is directed by Matthew Wartress and is written by Duncan McMillan. It played a sold-out run at London's Old Vic earlier this year. We talked about it at the time. In the show, the ice caps are melting. There's overpopulation and political unrest. Everything's going to hell in a handbasket. Why on earth would someone bring a baby into this world? In Duncan McMillan's hilarious emotional roller coaster of a play, a couple wrestle with the planet's biggest dilemmas. Now, whether or not you watched uh, the crown, I can guarantee you these two have uh, phenomenal chemistry and the script has to be more interesting than what they did on the crown because it was boring. Um, also, Matt Smith, of course, for those of you uh, out there, the, the Whovians out there, he was the 11th Doctor Who. Um, moving on to a, a role that also has multiple people playing it, like the doctor. Yesterday, Manhattan Concert Productions announced that not one. Not two, but three different individuals will be sharing the role of the narrator in the 50th anniversary celebration of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat that they will be bringing to Lincoln Center on February 17th at 8 p.m. We already knew that Noah Galvin had replaced Ariel Stachel in the title role of Joseph. Well, Michael Arden, who is directing, and Stephen Aremus, who is music directing, they have settled on Eden Espinosa, Alex Newell, and Jessica Vosk to helm the narrator role for this production. Not not a bad uh, a trio of folks to play the part. I'll be interested, James. I assume they're going to be divvying up the score rather than singing things together. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they decide to divide that up. And if someone happens, you know, to record it while they're there on February 17th, I wouldn't be opposed to hearing that either. You know, any dream will do. 
Any, <laughs> I like what you did there. Um, and then finally in this section, James, this I think was mostly a foregone conclusion, but perhaps because of uh, the slower ticket sales, it took a little bit longer. But yesterday it was officially announced that the Inheritance had released a new block of tickets all the way through June 7th of 2020, meaning that they will be open when they are contending for Tony Awards. Uh, it had originally only been selling tickets through March. So this is good news for everybody hoping to see this show uh, rack up some nominations and potentially awards during the award season because having a show that is running, especially a play, makes a big difference for a lot of those nominators and voters. Sure. Absolutely. I think that's that, that's really a, a smart producing move. Yeah. Uh, if only we knew of any smart producers associated with that show. And good-looking. Smart and <laughs> good-looking producers. I know none. I know none. All right. What did uh, the critics have to say about uh, New York Theater Workshop's Sing Street? Well, the other day I had said that this show had long been rumored to be coming to Broadway, and the only thing that could stop it would be negative reviews. Well, the reviews were not negative. However, they were not the effusively um, excited reviews that you would hope to bring a show directly from off-Broadway to the main stem. They were supportive, but constructive. Uh, let's start with Ben Brantley from the New York Times, who did not make the show a critic's pick. What? I know, it's shocking. It's like that's a seal of, not not, not a seal of approval, but a seal of uh, recognition that it actually happened. But anyway, uh, not a critic's pick, but Brantley wrote, quote, there is throughout some lovely interlacing of bubbly pop and more somber contemplative strains, as when Morin's priest intones a prayerful counterpoint to the band's aching love song, Dream for You, or when Connor's older sister, Anne Schuyler Volpe, lovely, Brantley wrote, um, erupts into rage as her parents bicker, pounding a tattoo on the kitchen table that becomes the drumbeat for the band's exploration of the sexual divide girls in the show's finale go now is a sentimental knockout during such moments you hear the voice of the more fully satisfying musical that sing street could become the band at its center is already in precociously fine shape it's the show that surrounds it that still needs fine tuning Similarly, Alexis Soloski, writing for The Guardian, had some constructive things to say about the design of the show. She wrote, quote, Rebecca Tashman directs with immense empathy, but her physical production feels similarly static. She works mostly without set or props, save for a table and some chairs. The background by the set and costume designer Bob Crowley is an image of the Irish Sea, initially interesting as a metaphor and then increasingly empty. In a show in which what little plot there is turns on the recording of video, videos, it seems strange never to project any of the band's efforts. This doesn't mean Sing Street should pack away its electric guitars. It has a gifted cast, a kind heart, and some very cool keyboard action. If it could synthesize, nice pun there, uh, Alexis, if it could synthesize all that with a more vital story, who could get enough? So, James, it seems to me that they're being a little hard on this show, um, you know, with some, giving it some tough love, saying that they like it. There's a lot to love about the show, but it needs some work. Um, I've expressed my love for the for the film, but the film is a simple indie uh, movie that doesn't have a ton going on. And it is hard to translate those um, to the stage. Obviously, much of this creative team did it 
with once, but it's it's not easy to do that again. So I'm hoping that whether this comes to Broadway in the spring, like had originally been planned, or if it waits a little while, they're able to fine tune this because I think the heart of this show, at least based off what's in the movie, is is really, really touching and something that we don't really see often on Broadway. So uh, I'm very glad that they are not giving it over the top reviews uh, and then uh, New York Theater Workshop or whoever transfers it to Broadway and then they slam it because that makes me nuts. It happens. (laughs) It It happens happens so often. It happens so – so, and this is – it it sounds like – I haven't seen uh, this uh, show yet. I I was actually scheduled to see it tonight and uh, my my kids have a – uh, my daughter's got a, a concert, so I had to reschedule for January. So I won't see it until January. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, it sounds like the reviews have a lot of constructive criticism there and, and might be something worth thinking about uh, yeah. for their creators. Yeah, and it sounds like they were – it was, for the most part, and I haven't read through all of the reviews, but it, I feel like they were, were good-natured and done mm-hmm. in good faith, which is not always the case. This is true. All right. Groundhog Day is here and showing casting news part two. Yeah, it was duh. Uh, I tried to throw in the French part duh. Remember the movie Hot Shots and Hot Shots part duh? Oh, yeah. But duh. Starring uh, Charlie uh, Charlie Sheen. But anyway, let's get into uh, some other show and casting news. As you said, yesterday, Playwrights Horizons announced a three-week extension of the New York premiere production of Lucas Hanay's The Thin Place. We talked about the reviews earlier this week. It was originally scheduled to close on January 5th and will now play through January 26th at the Peter J. Sharp Theater at Playwrights Horizons. Next, a bit of news that got me very excited yesterday because the public theater announced the complete casting for the New York premiere of the Vagrant Trilogy, which is a public theater commission written by Mona Mansoor. It is directed by Mark Wing Davy and stars Tala Ash, Ramsey Faragala, Ash Gamingma, Nadine Malouf, uh, Rudy Rushidi, and Hadi Tabal. Now, I know most people don't know who a lot of those names are, but Tala Ash is not only a Central Ohio native like I am, a few years younger than me, but in the same age range. But she is also Zari, the wielder of the air totem on the best superhero TV show on television, DC's Legends of Tomorrow. And don't at me. I haven't watched uh, The Watchmen yet. Uh, It's on my Hulu. So I'll get to that. And I reserve the right to reorder my uh, superhero shows after I see that. But I love uh, Tala and I love Legends of Tomorrow. So this one is going to be running from March 17th through April 26th uh, at the Public Theater, and I very well might have to schedule my trip to see this one because I do uh, I do enjoy Tala. Uh, then going from New York to the other side of the country, yesterday the La Jolla Playhouse announced the choreographers and lead cast members for its upcoming musical Fly, another musical based on Peter and Wendy by J.M. Barry. We've talked about this one before. It actually has a ridiculous creative team. Uh, the book is by Rajiv Joseph. The music is by Tony Emmy and Grammy winner Bill Sherman, um, King Sherman of In the Heights and Freestyle Love Supreme fame. And uh, most notably, he's been working as the musical director for Sesame Street for a number of years now. And the lyrics are by Obi winner Kirsten Childs, along with Joseph. And in an interesting turn, many times, 
two-time Tony Award-winning producer Jeffrey Seller is directing. The show will run. Yes, he will. Uh, he will be directing the show at the La Jolla Playhouse from February 18th through March 29th. Now. In addition to that, obviously, you see some uh, In the Heights and Hamilton connections there. Andy Blankenbuehler will team up with Stephanie Clemens uh, as co-choreographers. Stephanie Clemens was the In the Heights, um, uh, was in In the Heights, I believe, and then the associate choreographer for Hamilton. So obviously some connections there. Then we found out some of the stars playing Wendy will be Storm Lever. And playing Peter Pan will be Lincoln Klaus, who recently was in Bad Out of Hell. Now, what's interesting about Storm Lever being a part of that, that tells us one of two things. I'm assuming um, they are probably related. Um, I think it mostly tells us that Almost Famous is probably not coming to Broadway in this spring, despite the fact that maybe Sing Street is not leaving the Lyceum open because Storm Lever is one of the stars of that show. Perhaps... um, you know, they're waiting. They know that they're waiting until the fall where she will be available. So I think that's really interesting um, casting. I, as we've talked about before, we do not need more Peter Pan related shows. But if you're going to throw Rajiv Joseph, Bill Sherman and Kirsten Childs into a room writing something, I mean, I guess I'll watch it. I mean, of course, I'm going to watch it. But um, it, it's, you know, it, it, I'm sure it'll be good. But is it is it necessary, James? You know, it it. It's uh, Adam Feldman talked about the need for uh, not doing another Cinderella. So same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Peter Pan and Cinderella. I think we've talked about this before. It's yeah. maybe even with Adam. I don't remember. But yeah, it's like it's not necessary. But okay. I mean, if you're going to if you're going to do it, do it with those people, I guess. All right. What do we have in other news? This is like just basically another show and casting session. But I felt okay. ridiculous, you know. So, yeah. Twa. Yeah. It's, Trey. Twa. Yeah. Three Pete. The only reason I know any uh, numbers in Spanish is from Hamilton. So anyway, that's it. Yeah, that's all I got. And uh, uh, I believe in Gypsy, um, the landlord at the boarding house that they're staying in during the Mr. Goldstone scene um, says Einzavai dry, which is all I the only reason I know anything about German. Maybe that was just my high school production of Gypsy. But anyway, back to the news, James. Yesterday, it was announced that the cast of Jagged Little Pill, along with a composer and star and rock star behind the show, Alanis Morissette, will be performing on Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve with Ryan Seacrest 2020. Great title. Um, the broadcast will begin live uh, at 8 p.m. on ABC on December 31st. No time necessarily was uh, revealed as to when they will be performing. But what else are you going to do? You're going to watch. You'll find it. Um, you'll have it on a TV somewhere, I'm sure. Uh, also, yesterday it was announced that The Lightning Thief, colon, the Percy Jackson musical, will be heading back on the road. Not its first national tour, its first Broadway national tour, but it's already obviously been on the road once. It'll be heading out on tour in the 2020-2021 season. And then finally, James, this this last story is a little uh, um, insulting, I feel like, because this story assumes that I do not carry around um, finishing the hat and look, I made a hat in my pocket at all times because a new pocket-sized hardback selection of Stephen Sondheim lyrics will be published uh, next year to coincide with his 90th birthday on March 22nd. Um, It'll actually be published on March 3rd, ahead of his birthday. The book will feature some of Sondheim's most beautiful and memorable lyrics from West Side Story, the aforementioned Gypsy, Company, Sweeney Todd, Sunday in the Park, Follies, Little Night Music, and Into the Woods. Why anyone doesn't just carry the the beautiful 
blue and pink books with them at all times already. I don't know, James. I, again, I'm not sure why this is needed because everybody already carries them, right? I do. I mean, yeah. they literally never leave Absolutely. my, that's why I wear cargo pants all the time, just because I have to make sure that I'm able to stuff those big books in the side pockets. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, this is. <laughs> that, that, or everyone has a little black box in their pocket that can find lyrics for any song they ever want with uh, a few buttons or a few words to our favorite inanimate sentient yeah. voice so uh tangential to this w- w- what is your favorite lyrics website uh google i just type in song google and whatever comes up first yeah uh, i see i'm not you, partial you're not partial you, uh, i i really like genius genius.com have yeah. you ever used genius yeah oh yeah of course uh the the problem with that one i've found is is that they just don't have a lot of the musical Completeness. theater stuff because that's Completeness, yeah that's yeah. that's the only I'm not looking up any rap, which is where that started, or yeah, you know, right. popular music. So I just want the theater stuff, and they don't have as much as uh, you would normally like. Yeah, we need somebody to get on that to make sure that uh, Genius.com is a com- has complete lyrics to everything musical theater. I think they're happy to do it. They just need somebody to do it. So if you're somebody mm-hmm. can get out there and do that, and I think I think I think Lynn should do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I mean, he's fixing he's, all of the musical theater problems. Might as well fix that one too. And he's already got a genius grant, so <laughs> does. And I'm sure, and I, and I believe Hamilton is fully annotated. Because the interesting yeah. thing about Hamilton or about Genius is, is that it's not just a lyric site; it's a mm-hmm. lyric site with explanations and annotations. So that's why yeah. it's a little more complicated than just throwing the lyrics up. That's you know that you can pretty much do cut and paste wise, but. Um, Oh, there was a story, and I forget what it was, James. Um, I'm going to forget the details, but and I'll try to t- tell this uh, shortly so we don't get to our 20-minute mark. But um, Google was aggregating the uh, the lyrics sites for a bunch of different yeah. sites mm-hmm. and pulling them into their search uh, search pages. And I believe it was Genius who thought that that was um, – I don't know if it's different, you know, copyright theft or whatever, because they were just pulling it from a site and then presenting it as their own without, you know, yeah. so- sourcing it or whatever. So what um, so what genius did? And again, I, I'm not 100 percent sure. Jackpot this was genius. in there. They 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 incorrect lyrics on purpose. Well, it wasn't that the lyrics were correct. But what they did was is they put with there. There are a couple different types of apostrophes that you can use the one that's straight uh, down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the ones to the side. And what they did was is they used the apostrophes in um, in the lyrics to spell something out or, so you know, like a like the Morris code or something. Um, and I'll see if I can find the story and throw it in the show notes. But it's brilliant and genius and nobody cares because nobody can read Morris code on Google. But it's uh, really, really interesting to see the lengths of people that people will go to protect their intellectual property, even though it's not really their intellectual property on the interwebs. Uh, quickly before we hit 20, um, did you see this thing about Adam Driver on Fresh Air? Yeah, I mean, when is Terry Gross going to stop harassing the well-meaning, sensitive artists in the world? (laughs) Oh my goodness gracious, it's so funny. I I never thought we've come full circle when there's a negative article about Terry Gross, who is a god in... in I mean, j- journalism and in, in interviewing, and she is just Terry Gross's Fresh Air NPR. She has had the best interviews 
in the world. It's a monster. And, uh, forcing, I, I, forcing Adam, Adam Driver to hear his own performance. What is this world coming to? I'll just say that Terry Driver, uh, Terry Driver, Terry Gross <laughs> <laughs> made Adam Driver, uh, she, she sat in his chair. She made him uncomfortable. She held him too close. It's just, uh... <laughs> I see what you did there. And I don't need a pocketbook of Sondheim's lyrics to understand the reference. And because that was very well done, because that's actually what made him uncomfortable. <laughs> she knew him too well. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Wednesday with us. And uh, Matt and I will come back and uh, talk with you tomorrow.